This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. I'm joined by a lady loving everything she's ever done. She is Michelle Agundahin. She's a writer, author, brand consultant, TV presenter, former editor-in-chief of one of my favorite magazines ever, Elle Decoration UK. She's also just an award-winning all-round home style guru. Michelle, I'm so thrilled to chat to you, particularly as my home is now my castle and somewhere during lockdown, I haven't left at all. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the case for many people. But first, I must say, can I just quit where I am ahead with that amazing introduction? Thank you. Well, I I also, I forgot to add it because I was going to add it in in a minute. You've written your first book, which came out in April 2020. Again, brilliant timing, which we need to talk about, called Happy Inside, How to Harness the Power of Home for Health and Happiness. And I mean, I don't know whether you had just amazing insight or whether you believed that pre-COVID, as we now have to say, but I mean, goodness, was there ever more of a connection between home, health and happiness? I mean, I couldn't have predicted something as horrendous and as traumatic as COVID, of course, but the book was definitely written out of a real, real feeling of need that it was required. We needed a new way of looking at the way everyone thought about home, because for too long, it was either about what it looked like, but also there was this sense that home was for many people just a place they left in the morning and crashed back into at night and I was just increasingly thinking with the rising rates of chronic disease and obesity and diabetes and all of these things everyone's missing out on this the huge potential basically of this space and your surroundings that you have right at your fingertips to absolutely sustain support and inspire you to kind of be your best self well, I think so. I think also, you know, mental health during this time has, has, you know, that's taken a tumble, people's anxieties, everything. And I know for me, my home has always been my castle. I mean, I'm passionate about homes. I'm passionate about creating them. But never more in this time have I got into my bed at night and, 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 and loved the fact that I've got lovely pillows or, you know, that I've got. I think it's just it's just so important as a, as a sense of security, I guess, in a world where it's just chaos currently. Absolutely. I mean, literally, when you look out of your door and you just think, frankly, the world has gone a bit bonkers, everyone needs a safe space. I mean, it's just, it sort of goes without saying, and yet we sort of overlooked this. And it's just being able to shut your door and literally physically exhale. But then also sort of taking it to the next level, that one of the first things I always say to people is, what do you see when you walk through your front door, like the first thing you see, because for many people, it might be kind of a tangle of coats or a pile of shoes or something like that. But what if you saw something that just made you smile and you just thought, oh, okay, here I am, home. This is my space, this is home. But I always thought that people sort of are divided into two camps. I remember, and she'll be nameless, but I remember there was a girlfriend that was moving and she'll be nameless in case she listens. But she was moving house. And I said to her, there's nothing I love more than helping. Some, there's nothing more satisfying than helping somebody else move and create their space. And I said, oh, you know, I'll come over and I'll help you and this, that, and the other. And she just got endless boxes. And I was like, OK, let's get everything out of the box, get rid of the boxes. 
And some people, they just don't, they get very overwhelmed by their homes. Do you know what I mean? I, and, she, and a year later, what I was going to say is I went back a year later and some of the boxes were still there. And she was like, I still got to get around to unpacking them. Now for me, anytime I've done a move, and I am that person that's moved quite a lot in my life. So to me, the boxes and the kind of the look of an unmoved into house has to be gone within hours. Like I'm like, no, let's do this. Let's get this. But there are I think people are a bit divided in their camps of how they feel about their home and they sort of need that guidance. Hence you doing what you did, editing magazines and things like that. They love to look at a mood board. They need that sort of reassurance that they could paint a wall bright yellow or they could sort of, I don't know, use suitcases for storage piled up instead of boxes, whatever it is. But do you think that's that's been what you've seen over the years? Well, definitely. I mean, my, my kind of thing has always been to kind of empower people to kind of say, actually, you know what? It's your home. Do it your way. If you want purple polka dots and glitter cushions, fantastic. The only thing I would say is do it consistently. But to just really understand that, like surrounding yourself by things that just light your soul, that you love, is the most empowering thing ever. And also to try and get people to kind of don't worry about trends. I know I've worked in publishing and it, it is the duty of magazines to kind of publish what's new and what's out there. But always it's kind of, yeah, but you decide, you know, what do you yeah. love? And that's, that's okay. Because I think people do with interior design get terribly kind of like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't do interiors. To which I always say, if you can get dressed in the morning, then you can. Or you see people yeah. with the most beautiful makeup. And they say, no, no, I can't do it. And it's like, but you've just put together all these beautiful <laughs> colours and textures. You can't, you can't. Well, I think it's a block and I think it's a confidence because, again, I think people sometimes they go into those sort of, you know, like a room set in, in a shop and they think, well, I better buy the whole thing. And you're like, but you could buy, you know, the Ikea bed, but put a vintage lamp. You could put, you know, a rug from your mom alongside, you know, but, but people get very, I think they lack the confidence to just go, this is it. And it makes me laugh because when people I describe over the years some of my stuff, they'll go, oh, but, you know, I don't have clutter. Right. And I think that sometimes people have always thought, oh, if you don't have clutter, you don't have anything sentimental or emotional. But I can tell you every single item I have in my home is something I love. I, it often has a story attached to it. What I don't keep is that kind of prolifery clutter that just is clutter that just used to annoy me and I think what you said right at the beginning resonated so you know much with me is if you walk into a room and you just see a, a pile of something that you just think oh that's just annoying and I quite like that plate but like it's just you know or it's got a chip that's that I get rid of that stuff so that I don't look at it my work is so dumb <laughs> no help whatsoever I mean but that is it isn't it it's it's and it is I mean I love your example of the friend with the boxes because immediately I would say like after six months if you haven't even opened that box there is nothing in it that you need. Exactly. It's just, but oh. and moving as well is, is kind of this extraordinary opportunity to actually evaluate your stuff. Because I do yes. think quite often you get kind of inured to the things around you, don't you? They, you sort of gloss over them perhaps. And to me, that again is another lost opportunity because you should be able to look at any shelf or wall and just think, oh, well, I love that picture. Or, oh, that's really nice. Oh, I remember when I chose that. And so, it, like you said, it, it sort of consolidates your story. What I'm saying to people at the very beginning of the book is you need to kind of work out your story first. You know, there, yeah. is, the, there is a level of authenticity that must come with it. Like, who, who are you and who yeah. do you want to be? And these two things are incredibly intertwined. I guess how you 
use your home because you know yes due to covid you know um certainly in my own home it's now become an office like it never was before you know i had both my kids at home during covid so one of them was studying at university online so he needed a completely separate like space where he could just you know be fixated on zoom or not um my daughter was setting up her fashion business. So she needed like a massive area with a massive table for cutting things up and pattern cutting and all the rest of it. My husband was working from home on Zoom. So people's homes, I think, I think you're right. And it's an evaluation. People are using their homes in a way that perhaps they didn't before. As you say, perhaps they came home and you just crashed in it. You know, particularly people that lived in working cities. You know, I was living in London, New York, you're from Manchester, all these big cities that kind of were somewhere where you went to work you must have gone to the great offices at l and then come back and then you it's it's how we sort of i guess how we sort of go okay how is this going to work moving forwards because again it's also a space thing people haven't got the space for everybody to work at home necessarily it's true but i do see it as an evolution because if if we think of our homes as basically an expression of ourself our self-identity who we want to be and who we are and our authentic way of living then this is just forcing a kind of a new growth. I mean, one of the things for myself is that um, I have what I'd always kind of called my archive, which is yeah. all my kind of magazine cuttings. And there are, there's hundreds of magazines, but I'd sort of lumped it all together as one and it was in the basement. So that was okay. A recent leak meant that I had to pull the whole lot upstairs. And then I'm confronted with the fact like you have about 400 to 5,000, you know, magazines. This is not necessary. You haven't looked at them in 10 years. But what was interesting was that it made me kind of realize that actually I keep parts of my life quite separate. Here was my former work life, but all my photos and kind of, you know, pictures of the babies and stuff like that, they were in a separate album. And then there's sort of tear sheets, which were in another one. And so as a result of this kind of using my home for all of these things, I started amalgamating all of my archive. So suddenly there I was with the kind of, you know, the old Vogue, which had Princess Diana on the cover, thinking, what was I doing? then yeah but now I've got my pictures next to it all sort of on the archive which in my head somehow I think I'm going to put into a glorious album like a la David Hicks but who knows if that will ever happen but I suppose the larger point is that we always were the person that was mum and working and out and having friends and cooking and cleaning and all that stuff but now we've been forced if you like to recognize all facets of our personality in the one space and for some of us some of that has been really found wanting or we've realized actually I don't have room to accommodate this or that my home doesn't reflect and represent this side of my personality. I think having spoken to so many friends obviously both sides of the pond over this whole period of time I mean we've all laughed there's not a cupboard that I haven't Mm -hmm. talked about with friends that we haven't done out I mean I've done out cupboards I didn't even know I had didn't even know I had kind of drawers that I've done out. It's made people, I guess, as well, perhaps refine their life. I mean, everything from sort of wardrobes to the sock drawer to the kitchen drawer where you go, I've got, you know, 12 of those bowls. Have I actually even ever used two? Have you sort of, I, I feel like that's been our sort of chain of thought is like, what, what cupboard have we done out today? Where have we kind of hung out? But I think you have to do a story with it because it is so personal to you and I guess that was you know doing a magazine as you say you had to give the trends and things like that of what those colors were or what those colors are but I guess the real gift and the real talent lies in being able to sort of apply it to your own 
life? I mean, how did your passion for it start? Have you always sort of, were you that teenager that was like, no, I'm painting my room pink and I want, I don't want posters, I want this. My first kind of memory of home is actually my little sister's room because she was the one that asked um, for it to be painted orange, like bright, like effervescent orange. (laughs) And I remember that really distinctly but I don't remember my room at all, which I used to think, well, that's rather odd. But the thing that I always did do was that I can't, I have to have a certain amount of order around me. So I was always like moving into a student room and shifting the furniture around, moving into the next bedroom and shifting the furniture because I would just somehow know that actually if this goes over here and this goes over here and I get rid of that, now I can concentrate. And so I sort of recognised that it was sort of this continual quest to find a space in which I could feel at home. And I think that's the core thing as well. It's like the the things that surround us affect how we feel. And that's the bit of this whole equation that I think a lot of people have been missing out because they were so preoccupied with what it looked like. Is this the colour of the year? Is this the latest sofa? Should I be having linen or wool throws? That's kind of, well, which one makes you feel? good yeah and that's you know why they say the Instagram is all about color because color has this extraordinary emotive effect on you I look back and realize that I've sort of when I'm still very much in process working out who I am by my homes because I I had a kind of a moment um, a while back where I suddenly thought oh god I mean I have a birthday coming up soon Mm -hmm. and every year I get very grumpy around that time because I just think oh I've wasted a decade somewhere (laughs) along the line how how did this happen because I I kind of got married very early and it was a complete disaster an absolute disaster and there followed a decade of deeply unsuitable boyfriends literally (laughs) we'll just gloss over it but the point is that there was sort of that time where I was thinking what was I doing But the big revelation that came to me is actually I was realizing then that in order to heal myself, I healed myself through my homes because Mm. my all my I took pictures of all the houses from the kind of, the you know, I sort of moved out of the marital home and the horrible rental and then each sort of place after that. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this is why I am so passionate about this, because I know it worked. No. And actually, while you're saying that, I think about my own life and my moving and you're so right it totally represents like you know I got married very young but we talk about the house that we first met in right that we that we actually met in and then the first apartment that was like eight flights of stairs up we'll never get over that that I used to have to put a chair halfway up for my dad to sit on because if he came to visit he couldn't get the whole way up without being out of breath and you're right I guess one's homes dictate one's entire life they're like the pinpoint really, of, of, of everything. I, I know from my childhood that I envied my sister's room more than anything. She had a denim bed mattress. Oh. I mean, I don't even, I don't think I've ever seen one of those again, but I just remember she got that. I didn't get that. She was six years older than me. And I just used to look, you talk about your little sister's room. You have that memory. I so vividly have a memory of my sister's room, which had this denim mattress. And, and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever I've subsequently never seen one since it's probably really unhealthy to sleep on death but it, it does it dictates all my memories I guess to do with homes and moving homes and and how you do that and you describe as home being your most sort of powerful ally but also your secret superpower in an increasingly uncertain world and I loved that too because you're right it is a bit of a superpower because if you can shut a door behind you and create an oasis of whatever you want. It doesn't have to be calm. It could be excitement or yes. a home that makes you, whatever it makes you feel. I think 
that is really important because at the moment, if we look outside the door, you and I were chatting just before we did this recording, you know, if you watch the media, even in your own home, you can really build a tension and anxiety that just doesn't, you know, no home can combat that. You've got to be able to have somewhere that you can actually shut the door and go, okay, this, that outside can't get into me here. Yeah, I think I think that that's it. And this sort of idea of it being an ally is just that life is complicated. It is difficult. It all, it's ever been thus, you know, I mean, yeah. COVID is yeah. just a whole new thing on top of it. But it, the point is, it's like life can be that much easier if you have your space on side to help you. Yeah, you know, we all actually I believe we all want to be our best selves, but it's not easy. And <laughs> we have all these kind of uh, pressures and pushes and pulls from all sort of directions. But it's just really understanding from the very basic level of like kind of if you can just look around you and feel happy with what you see. And this doesn't have to be like, oh, well, I'm dreaming of having a, a sunken bath and a library and I must have my morning room and my butler or anything like that. It is simply that because this it applies no matter how big or small your space. It is yeah. simply about there being a level of considered curation about what you see so that if you... Yeah, um, well, yeah, considered curation is the, the key thing, because that comes from understanding that everything that surrounds you will have an effect on you, an emotional yeah. effect. And so that also means that also kind of removing things that you just think, actually, I no longer need this to be part of my story. So it's not about denying that stuff has happened, but just understanding. Tastes change, too. I mean, they change yeah. so, so much, and it sort of happens... I don't know, it sort of happens sort of silently, but if you sort of look back, I mean, we did a lot of looking back in photo albums, you know, really at the peak of lockdown, we'd go back. And, it, and it's funny sort of looking at it through my children's eyes. I mean, there was a photograph and I hadn't even really thought about it, but there was one phase where Graham and I had bought wicker furniture for our living room. And my daughter looked at it and she was like, you had garden furniture in your living room. And I said, yes. And I thought, that was weird. And then Graham, of course, he just said, well, we didn't have the money. And I'd forgotten that we didn't, we just started out and a, and a sofa was really expensive, but we'd figured out that a garden sofa was actually much cheaper because it was wicker furniture. And she was like, oh, it's so retro. And I said, yeah, I don't think we thought of it like that. I think yeah. actually that was just done on a purely financial basis. But now, of course, it's that whole kind of, you know, that retro vibe and wickers come back in. And I was like, God, it's so funny because things do Things do change and we do get lured by things. I once had, you know, a living room that I got done, just one room by a designer and I kind of sat at the end of it and I just thought, gosh, it's not me at all. It's like absolutely like the photograph, but it's not really me. And we then sort of repainted it completely white and this, that, the other. And it was only when I moved out of that house, it was actually bought by somebody I knew. And I said, God, I could never get that room right. And I remember I went up to it and she'd knocked a hole in one of the walls and it was just like my dream room. And I said, God, it's so funny how it needed a fresh pair of eyes on it. Yeah. And I guess that's where the magazine world comes in. It's such a great escapism to sort of, there's nothing better, I think, than looking through other people's homes. And I think that all these magazines now with the behind the scenes and, you know, the stories and sort of seeing people, it, it has, there's a real thirst, isn't there, for people to know more about what, what that house is about or how somebody found it. Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, again, that's stories, isn't it? I mean, I think that's yeah. what that makes really kind of compelling kind of printed matter of any sort is that you want to know the stories behind the products and behind the people and wh why they, they are who they are. But, um, but I love this, this story of yours with the, the wicker furniture because it's, 
I mean, how marvellous that through a photo you can have all that kind of wonderful reminiscing. And then I love yeah. as well the idea that like, oh, that's in trend now. And you'd be thinking, oh, I wonder where that furniture is. The times have changed because I'm always deeply fascinated by trends in terms of them being a reflection of like the zeitgeist. I mean, kind of wicker yeah. and some, everything very tactile, I think, is so important now because we're living in this super smooth screen based world. You know, everything we touch is just so touch less. I need to be kind of at home and be surrounded by a kind of all of this stuff because I think there have been some trend reports kind of saying oh with with the sort of you know post era that we're in now it'll all go antiseptic white and sterile and I'll be kind of passing through things that zap my germs and I'm saying no no it won't because more than ever before we'll need to come home and feel a sense of reality, which you yeah. see also echoed in when we talk about fake news or what's happening kind of yeah. out there. And uh, but then we also, I mean, I'm dipping backs and forwards. We saw that reflected. How wonderful was it to actually watch the news and see someone terribly serious presenter, and then their kids walk in. I know. Yeah. All this kind of stuff because so it was reflecting nice. reality. We're like, oh my goodness, yeah. that's a real person, and it felt more believable, didn't it? It so did, and you're so right because. There's, there's been a lot of TV shows, obviously, that I've watched in America, but there's been that brilliant touch of authenticity that, that although, you know, I think there's a place for everything. Aspirational TV was great. And it was great to switch on pre-COVID and see sort of, you know, fabulousness and people wearing makeup. But there was that real authentic thing of people sort of doing, and I guess through social media, we saw them doing their own makeup and turning up. And, and, and a lot of these shows are filmed in people's homes, as you say, and people kind of going, actually, I'm, you know, I'm wearing something beautiful on top, but I've literally got my underpants on underneath <laughs> screen and children walking through. And John Krasinski and Emily Blunt did this brilliant um, TV series right in the beginning of lockdown called Some Good News, which was done in his home and all the graphics were painted by his children. And it was, it was genius television. It was like one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. And you're quite right. And actually, again, slightly flicking backwards and forwards, but when you talked about the smell, that antiseptic smell, you're so right because everywhere you go now, you, your, your senses are so aware to that stringent kind of cleaning products that I've made sure that my home, but I haven't done it consciously till you said about it, I've constantly got candles with delicious smells because although my home obviously is, is clean and everything, I can't bear to come home and I want to go to a supermarket or a shop and it smell clean, that's comforting out of my home but I don't like my own home smelling like a hospital. I, I want it to smell delicious and, and cozy and, and warm and lovely fragrances. So I'm sure people, maybe a lot of people have done that where you've just sort of had more sensory smells around you. But I think that that's amazing because that that's you've intuitively kind of known what you need. And I think that's the bit that I kind of really want to help people with, because to you yeah. and I, it maybe becomes intuitive. Like I always work with a kind of like an um, oil burner next yeah. to me if I feel yeah. like oh, I need just, you know, it enables me to concentrate. For a lot of people, they might be sort of struggling with the idea like, oh, God, right. Yeah, I must kind of super, super clean the house. And then they're coming home and it's smelling exactly like everything outside. Yes. And they're not quite understanding why, why do I not feel relaxed here? My house is clean, you know, yeah. and, it, and it is sort of that kind of understanding. But then also about what you were saying before, I mean, sort of the place for all of these things. We do need balance. 
I mean, I don't want to pick up a magazine and see someone and their makeup's been done by themselves. I don't. I want to have the escapism of beauty and gorgeous aspirational houses that I will never, ever own or live in. But I kind of I look at the sunken baths and those huge bathrooms with like a single chair and sort of in the yeah. far, far distance. Yeah, and I, I just think, it. oh, how amazing. Maybe if I knocked out the whole of the top floor <laughs> of the house, <laughs> I could achieve it. And have a living room or a kitchen and That's just put it. in a bathroom. That's it. <laughs> And so, you know, we need we need all of that balance, which again sort of takes us back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, that we are all these things too. You yeah. know, we have the days where we want to sort of think, oh, actually, I want to get dressed up. I want to put some makeup on and feel good about myself. I will wash my hair. And yeah. other days where we need to sort of be telling each other and our friends, it's okay to also spend a complete day in our pyjamas. I think all of what's been happening is... You know, the world has been going so fast that a lot of people simply couldn't cope. Why were we lacking the ability to go, actually, I'm going to stop? If I look at what's going on in the world on that level, I couldn't agree more. I'm like, you know, we were, it was so fast. Travel was something we did like we were taking a bus. Oh, we're going here, we're going there. You know, we, we, we had this extraordinary ability to get from A to B without really thinking about it. And... And you're right, life was so fast and I hadn't really appreciated bits of my home. I hadn't kind of really looked at it in the way that I've looked at it during lockdown. I hadn't, re- you know, I'd lived in it, I'd existed in it, I'd kind of, and it did make us totally rethink all sorts of things like that and really put value on things and take joy from, from doing them round. And I think your book timing, as I say, I mean, I don't know how you had that insight. I mean, you were doing it regardless, but to publish it sort of, April 2020 of this COVID pandemic was sort of brilliant because I think you're right. In some people, it's innate. Some people have a sense of style and kind of, you know, they're nothing to do with that world. But I go into people's homes, I'm like, you just know how to curate it. And it's just beautiful. But other people need that help to be confident enough to go, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I think that's where the book's so brilliant is it's going to get, it helps guide people towards that, that achievement there was a conversation had with the publishers um, saying like, you know, this, this is all happening. You know, this will be on one level, terrible timing to launch a book yeah. because no one can go to the bookstore. You know, we can't measure the yeah. sale or anything like that. And yet we all felt very strongly. It's like, yeah, but we need to publish this book now. We absolutely, yeah. it has to go out now and we'll just take it as it comes. And so I also think books have taken a more sort of, you know, I think also we didn't have the time to look at, I mean, I, I know that sounds awful, but I don't think we have the time, the amount of books, you know, when lockdown first happened, I thought I should buy some books, you know, obviously I'm going to read now, that'll be my thing. And then I looked at the books that I'd got that I hadn't <laughs> read, that I'd bought because I like the title, the cover, the color, the this, and I thought, well, I haven't read half of these yet. So I think books have become more important. They're ta- as you say, they're tactile. There's something that we can pick up and do. And again, everybody was on a Kindle or reading on their phone or, you know, reading while they're on the tube or the bus going somewhere. It was a very, it was a very fast paced thing. That being said, you know, as you say, I'm, I'm with you. I still want a little bit of aspiration. I'd love a little bit of normality back. There are bits that I really miss in life, but, but I think it really is making people 
I don't know, I guess just sort of rethink how how we just do everything, really. Well, I think rethink is is the big thing, isn't it? That we prize convenience over everything. Yeah. You know, faster, quicker, better. It's, it's like sort of also that model of inbuilt obsolescence. It's like, oh, well, there's a new phone out. I must get it. I mean, I remember having that conversation with someone. They're like, oh, have you got the new one? I was like, no, there's nothing wrong with my old one. Why, why did you get it? Not because I, I must. Even when I was um, editing, my question always was why? You know, yeah. someone would come in with like a press release. This has been designed or built or done or printed. And you think, okay, well, what's new about what's it? What's great? good? Why am I doing why that? Why do we need this? Well, the other thing is, um, I have to sort of chat to you about it before I get, because I was just such a huge fan of it, was the programme Grand Designs with Kevin McLeod. And I was thinking about it the other day because it's one of, my husband's and I sort of go to feel good programs, you know, alongside friends and all the rest of it. I used to love grand designs because there was always a flood, day three, always a flood. And it was always like the basement had flooded and there was always these problems, but you sort of knew about it. And I was thinking about it again, because it really reflects what you're saying now. Those people passionately wanted to create their own thing, whether it was wacky, wild, built underground, you know, was eco-friendly. And, and I was thinking about them in lockdown, thinking those people are probably sitting in their homes going, this is why I built this. This is why I kind of did this, because it's, it, it's created their passion. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, uh, to a tiny degree of that, I had a little sense of that because I was thinking I've, all, I've actually worked from home for quite a long time and I am happy inside my home. That's how I was able to sort of write the book. So on one level... I was already kind of insulated. I just had to accommodate that extra bit of kind of the, the horror that was homeschooling. And also the recognition that when I work, when I write, I work in silence. And I didn't even realize that. It was just what I did. But until you then have a six-year-old running around in the background and going, mommy, mommy, and like, oh, missed men as a constant soundtrack, the number of times I would sit at my desk and think, okay, <laughs> I'm really, really not achieving anything here homeschooling I don't think the one thing I was more grateful for than anything was the fact that my kids were at an age where I didn't have to homeschool them one had left <laughs> my son is 21 so he was kind of in control of his own homeschooling I have nothing but sympathy and admiration because to to hold down any kind of job or do anything amidst that must have been it was impossible it was and, and that was the thing to start off with I was it was trying to carry on you know and you've got all these sort of helpful suggestions from people saying do a timetable color code it divide your day into parts to which I think I finally was just like you know what <laughs> no yeah. okay just no just <laughs> off people leave me alone with your color coded felt tip pens and I realized that I just had to give in to it I just yeah. had to give in I had to stop and just put the time and effort into doing the kind of drawing around things and weighing things and measuring leads. I had a girlfriend whose kids were little and it made, it made me laugh so much because day one on social media of homeschooling, she put day one homeschooling and she'd done this desk and all the pencils were in the pots and it was super organized. And I was texting her going, oh my God, looks amazing. I'd like to come to this school, blah, blah, blah. Day two, <laughs> with her sitting with a glass of wine. I mean, it's like nine in the morning going, day two, not quite so organized. And then by day three, she got her little girl was dancing in a tutu around the kitchen to some song. She got out a bottle of wine. She said to me, this is like, and she said to me, it was like a nightmare. Like it was a nightmare. And she said, and it was such huge expectations of children. Her son, I think, was eight and was being asked to like PDF at the end of the day as sort of something. And I said, God, I'm so grateful that I didn't have to do that. I think I'd have had to give them sort of year off. I don't think I would have been able to cope. 
But I mean, again, though, I always I love to look at anything like this. It's like it, it is kind of without sounding too kind of, you know, up my own bottom. They are enormous learning opportunities. And these are the things yeah. I think we have to kind of grasp in life is that it was a nightmare until I let go. Yeah. Because I put a huge expectation on myself of thinking, right then, I can I can totally homeschool. I am a good mother. And a good mother, <laughs> therefore, means I will do all of the bits on the curriculum and we will send the things back. And equally, my child, of course, because I am a good mother, he yeah. will do everything perfectly. <laughs> and of course not. Of course not. I mean, the whole thing was an absolute disaster with literally, I mean, kind of like, but I just explained that to you. What, why have you, you know, why are you asking me why? What, why? You, can you stop jiggling and wiggling the whole time? Would you sit down? I mean, it was just, you couldn't make it up. But then what you, the sort of next phase though, was realizing that, you know what? Just explaining to him that actually, mummy's got a little bit of a headache right now because I found that quite stressful and I need some of the mummy's quiet time was yeah. the bigger learning thing. It was that I need you yeah. to go here and I'm just going to sit outside on my own in silence for 20 minutes and that he understood this and these were the growing things i think covid has taught us whatever whatever we've all been through and it's god knows it's a roller coaster and it still is tragically but i do think there are things to be learned there are things that we can kind of go actually i wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been of covid actually i wouldn't have thought like that I'd never stopped to do that I think there definitely are things and I think those are the things we have to we have to focus on but we have to take moving forwards because otherwise you know what are we going to do it's it's it, otherwise I don't know how we see our way out of the tunnel well no exactly I mean we we have to I mean you're right it's a it's a ter it's a tragic and ever-evolving backdrop but the only way forward is to kind of take what we have arguably been gifted yeah. And use it to move forward. So, But it, we again, we don't need to put too much pressure on ourselves. I think it can be the little changes. It can be yeah. the fact that a conversation I've had with a friend has made them opt to swap to a green um, energy provider. Yeah. There's one person. But you know what? That will make a difference. But now maybe we're all a little bit more aware that actually in many nations, people wear masks not to protect themselves, but to protect other people. Yeah, out of respect. Point. Incredibly sensitive and considered act that yeah. you know we should maybe have thought about before I mean I think now one of my kind of huge pet peeves is that we you know everyone loves a scented candle but most candles are made of paraffin wax yeah paraffin wax is a byproduct of the petroleum industry the fumes given off by that you might as well just be kind of sitting inside a park you know inside your garage with your car running I mean, that's really toxic unless you have got all your windows open and you've got this free flow of air, which ironically, of course, is exactly what they're telling us that we need to have in our homes to kind of get rid of COVID. It's, it's all the same. You know, we need yeah. to create these sort of healthier environments to support our bodies. I mean, it's not it cannot be a coincidence that rates of chronic disease have been rising and rising and rising. So you yeah. have to stop and ask yourself, what is it? that we are doing or not doing that's contributing to this. So there's a whole chapter on the, on the, in the book about things you must get rid of from your home because you might not understand that they are really polluting you. I and mean, you are what you breathe, but you know, no amount of fancy bedroom decor is gonna make one jot to your ability to sleep if you do not address what you do beforehand, but then really trying to help people understand the absolute importance of good sleep. 
and that you can't burn the candle at both ends. We can't continue like this. And so no, that it starts from home. I mean, that's where your yeah. book is so brilliant because all it does tell you how you can start properly making your home your sort of first stop point, I guess, towards, you know, better wellness. So Michelle, I have to ask you what these sort of just quick fire questions, what, what gives you life? Oh, beautiful question. Oh, without doubt, my son. I mean, he's, he's six and his energy is just the most extraordinary thing. So he's the reason I get up and do anything that I do. Here, here, love that. What feeds your soul? Oh, reading. I'm quite an obsessional reader. I read everything though. Trashy mags, newspapers, everything. Yeah. But I do say that hand in hand with, I was once told it's one of those kind of motivational things. They say that you must be a creator, not a consumer. So yeah. as I'm reading, I'm thinking I really ought to be writing, but I love to read because you just read a beautiful turn of phrase and you just think, oh, that's, that's just the most gorgeous thing. So, And I'm glad because magazines, I'm such an advocate of magazines. I never want magazines to go because I just love a magazine. I never want oh. it all to be online. I never want to read on a Kindle. I no. don't want to ever lose, lose the texture and the touch of a book or the smell of fresh prints. There's something so delicious about printed books. Um, do you have any sort of mantras in life or any rituals that you swear by or something that you kind of, you go, okay, I can't start my day without this? A combination of like, you know, Dory's kind of just keep swimming. Because I think you know, sometimes <laughs> really? I overthink things and I have to write a to-do list and it's like, just, just, just do it, just keep going. But then yeah. what I have on my post-it note on my computer, in fact, is um, a George Bernard Shaw quote, which is, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. My son as well, because he teaches me to play and yeah. how important that is because you know when you're busy you just think well I'll just do another hour I'll just check my emails I'll just cross more things off the to-do list and actually sometimes we'll be so much more productive if we just stop and play Lego that's so brilliant I love that I've never heard that quote that's brilliant it's beautiful, isn't it it's yeah. a really brilliant one that oh I love that oh Michelle I could talk to you for hours I absolutely have loved chatting to you you're, you're so inspiring and your so, your energy is just so incredible and and I'm so thrilled with your book is just brilliant we'll, we'll definitely put a link to the book because uh happy inside how to harness the power of, of home for health and happiness which is your whole philosophy on on what we've been talking about today the link between your home your well-being and you know please do keep writing keep playing with lego obviously <laughs> um hugely important um I miss lego you've reminded me guys I love lego <laughs> But you're right, we should all keep playing. And thank you, because you've been an absolute joy to chat to you today. So thank you for joining me. Oh, Emma, thank you, really. It's all in the two-way communication. I've loved talking with you as well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review. And you can find out more by going to buyemma.co. 